Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. I am thrilled to be having a conversation with Jonathan Lesser. He is the president of Continental Economics. He has published a a very important report at the Manhattan Institute uh, titled Short Circuit, the High Cost of Electric Vehicle Subsidies. Jonathan Lesser, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Thanks for having me, Kim. This is such an important piece uh, because we are having such a push here in Colorado to push people out of their uh, the vehicles they like, their internal combustion engines, and pushing them into uh, vehicles that are powered by electricity. And there's all kinds of problems with that. In fact, uh, there was a, just a recent report that says that there's battery, possible battery uh, shortages on these electric vehicles. But let's talk about this piece that you did. Uh, you said that many claim that zero emission vehicles, especially battery po- uh, powered electric vehicles, should replace most, if not all, cars and trucks powered by gasoline burning internal combustion engines. And the primary rationale is to reduce air pollution and carbon dioxide emissions. So take it from there, Jonathan. Well, the the report looked at um, whether the emissions reductions claims were actually true. Uh, and I found that using um, data published by the U.S. Energy Information Inform- Administration, which forecasts energy use, vehicles, uh, et cetera, through the year 2050, that when you look at and compare new gasoline vehicles, which are quite clean, with electric vehicles, and you look at the electric uh, electricity mix, you know, the mix of coal, natural gas, renewables, et cetera, that the EI projects will, will provide electricity, turns out that electric vehicles will emit more pollution. Um, which I thought was very startling, and I thought, no, this can't be right. And so I did the analysis again, and yep, it's true. Um, Now, interestingly, I was, of course, denounced uh, by the folks at the Rocky Mountain Institute uh, over in Snowmass, uh, who uh, denounced the EIA, saying it was biased, uh, saying that, uh, of course, I'm, you know, owned by the Koch brothers, etc., um, they didn't actually look at anything in the analysis. Um, are, are you owned by the Koch brothers? <laughs> I wish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, okay. But if they're listening, they're happy. They can hire me anytime. Okay. Um, so what the, what the report then looked at is uh, I started adding up all of the subsidies that are being provided to electric vehicle purchasers. So those subsidies include you get a $7,500 tax credit uh, as long as for the first 200,000 vehicles that a manufacturer sells. So, for example, Tesla has has hit that uh, ceiling, and now the its subsidy is going down. Um, but other automakers doing electric vehicles, um, you get a, uh, that subsidy. There are state subsidies. And ours is 5000 in Colorado. Well, and you think about somebody buying a $100,000 uh, electric vehicle, uh, they're pretty well off and mm-hmm. to afford it. And, and so everyone else is paying them $12,500 uh, to buy that car. 
Then you get subsidies for all the charging stations that they need. Uh, you subsidize the battery manufacturing plants. Uh, and then for people who uh, want to install solar power on their houses, um, you subsidize all that, and as well as the charging, uh, you know, the charging infrastructure you need at your home to plug in your your vehicle. And, and, and just a note, they're mandating in some of the different metro cities here that all new construction, uh, a new house has a charging station in the garage. And once again, one of the things we talk about, Jonathan, is freedom versus force. So it's forcing that to happen. It increases the cost of the house for people that want to buy it. And uh, it's all these different costs that make housing unaffordable. So that's just another note I wanted to make on that. Well, I, I wasn't aware of that in Colorado, but... Uh you know, and certainly in California, they've mandated that all new homes have to have solar uh, solar panels on them, uh, which is also increasing the cost of housing there even further. Um, so what I did also find out is that, okay, if you look at the forecast, it will, if you go to electric vehicles, there will be a slight reduction in CO2 emissions, but it, it won't matter. You could reduce the entire U.S.'s carbon emissions to zero tomorrow and have no impact on climate, on climate uh, based on all the climate models because everyone else in the world is increasing CO2 emissions. So this is really an issue of, um, you know, the, the lower income folks are having to subsidize wealthy people to buy electric vehicles. Uh, and it just, to me, that's not right. Um, and it's the question then you ask is for what? What is the benefit of this? And there's really no benefit at all. And people also ignore the fact that when you to manufacture all the batteries and all the the materials you need to manufacture batteries, um, that requires a lot of mining, which requires a lot of uh, energy, and a lot of those uh, inputs, the, the the materials you get are mined in China, etc where there are the environmental regulations are lax. So the attitude appears to be as long as it's in someone else's backyard, we don't care. Well, and interesting, there was a report from Fleet Owner. This was on our headlines today. It says, anxiety rises in U.S. and Europe over EV battery ch- uh, shortages. It says, uh, uh, and this looks like this is from Bloomberg, automakers to trading houses from North America to Europe are becoming more concerned about future supply shortages of key materials needed for electric vehicle batteries as spending on new production stores, according to the developer of a $1.5 billion project in Australia. And it goes on to say that China has had the grip on lithium uh, ion battery cell manufacturing. And so just to kind of on a side note, Jonathan Lesser, here we in America have finally become energy independent in our oil and gas industry. And so we have politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties that now are wanting to push us over to a different energy source. Uh, that actually would be somewhat dependent on China. It seems to me, from a strategic standpoint, that doesn't make sense. Well, it's not just batteries. Uh, all the wind turbines and, and solar cells that they're pushing as well require, require rare earth minerals, and China has an almost virtual lock on uh, mining of rare earth minerals because in this country environmentalists have, again, tied up and prevented uh, development of new mines. So you're right, that in, and it is a, it's probably a strategic issue. 
Um, and no one, again, seems to be thinking about that. Well, and so the the real question on the table, Jonathan Lesser, is why? Why? I don't understand it. They say that it's because of climate change. But again, in your report at the Manhattan, Manhattan Institute, uh, the title is Short Circuit, the High Cost of Electric Vehicle Subsidies. I, I don't understand why. They say it's because of, of climate change, but yet... As you looked at the numbers, you're saying that it really doesn't make a difference. So th- that's the question on the table. Why? Well, I think the simple answer is follow the money. Uh, uh-huh. You've got green energy advocates uh, who get all sorts of subsidies from the government. So they're pushing it, and they're pushing, uh, you know, the climate emergency or whatever the word is, the, the phrase is these days, um, to get more subsidies. Uh, electric vehicle manufacturers, uh, you know, Tesla has provided. If you look at Tesla's annual reports, the amount of money they earn from selling emissions credits, mm-hmm. it's hundreds of millions of dollars per year. That's what's that's keeping the company afloat. Um, so, you know, I think that the, the cynical view is it's less about the environment and more about, uh, you know, uh, feeding at the government trough. Uh, and, you know, politicians want to do the same thing. They may get uh, um, campaign contributions from these people to represent their interests. Um, and the other thing is it's climate change has ended up, it's becoming more of a religious issue, not a scientific one. So, you know, that's why, again, I was denounced for my research. No one, the Rocky Mountain Institute didn't, uh, challenge the research. They never say anything about did I do something wrong? My, you know, what or identify what's wrong? I'm happy if someone says, "Look, you did something wrong. Here's where, here's why." And I've had people do that, and I'm grateful to them. But when people simply don't look at a, a finding and don't like it, and then denounce you as somehow evil, um, that, that proves to me that this isn't about uh, uh, rational analysis. And evaluation. This is about uh, basically just religion. Oh boy, that is, uh, I think you nailed it there. Not about rational analysis. Jonathan Lesser, this is absolutely fascinating. Let's go to break. When we come back, uh, let's continue to break down this piece that you have done for the Manhattan Institute, the short circuit, the high cost of electric vehicle subsidies. Uh, You're right on, I think, on follow the money. Uh, And uh, I think we need to figure out how we can converse with our neighbors and our colleagues and our kids that are home from school about this important issue. So let's go to break. We'll be right back with Jonathan Lesser, president of Continental Economics. Thrilled to have on the line with me, Jonathan Lesser. Now, Jonathan, this whole issue is so important to me because mobility, the the freedom for people to be able to go where they want to, when they want to, in an affordable, efficient, responsible manner, I think is inherent in freedom. So this whole push to put people into electric vehicles, as you mentioned, it's a follow the money kind of a thing. And when I came across this really important piece, uh, my researcher Patty had found this, that you did for the Manhattan Institute. This is very extensive. How long did it take you to do this report? Uh, I worked on it uh, probably six months. Okay. And you have uh, almost, what, two or three pages of just all the different sources that you used. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I 
Um, I used. Uh, I wanted to rely on public, publicly available forecasts from the Energy Information Administration uh, because that's a government agency that's pretty well respected, despite the what the Rocky Mountain Institute says, as being nonpartisan. Uh, and because it's publicly available. So rather than using some sort of private forecast or my own forecast that no one can really verify, um, I wanted to use the EIA uh, data because their entire forecasting methodology is available. All the, all the documentation can be reviewed. Um, their forecasts are publicly available. Anyone can see it. Um, and that was important to me. I think that's the way to make these things more uh, accessible and uh, for people of you know, whatever stripe want to validate it, uh, they can go look at the data. Um, w one other thing I wanted to mention to you which uh, about electric vehicles is their performance in uh, extreme weather, which ah, uh, yes. in Colorado, you, you know, there's... Uh, I think there's something called snow there. I, there uh, is. Sometimes it gets cold. Well, electric, one thing I looked at is perform, battery performance. And it turns out that when the weather is very cold or very hot, battery performance degrades significantly. And so that 200-mile range uh, electric vehicle, you may only get 100 miles of range because battery performance degrades uh, in, in, uh, when weather temperatures are extreme, um, and it also shortens the life of the batteries. So, uh, again, that's something that no one ever wants to talk about, uh, but uh, the research has de certainly demonstrated that. And so people in, in uh, say, uh, the Denver area in January may find that they're going around in electric vehicles that... Uh, uh, suddenly they're running out of power uh, a lot faster than they thought. Well, and you talk about congestion on the roads. If you have a bunch of cars that aren't moving uh, because uh, they no longer have the the battery range, uh, and I think they call it battery anxiety or range ra anxiety range, or something. It's called range anxiety. Yeah. Um, you know, that's going to be a real problem. A couple of things, though. First of all, how about disposing of these batteries? Nobody ever talks about that. Isn't there going to be some environmental challenges and impacts with that? Yeah, there's environmental issues associated with both ma battery manufacture and final battery disposal. Uh, and and uh, doing both takes energy. And again, you have to look at, well, what is it uh, if you... I think there have been some studies of, of what are called life cycle uh, comparisons of CO2 emissions for electric vehicles versus gasoline-powered vehicles, and it finds that uh, over their lifetime, including the manufacturing uh, and disposal, it's, there's more CO2 emissions. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's going to create an issue. Uh, the other thing is, to if you try to imagine replacing all the vehicles in this country with Batteries. There's 200 million vehicles in this country. Um, it's there's simply not enough battery manufacturing capacity. You'd have to build uh, uh, so many more of these Tesla Gigafactories in Nevada, Nevada that's uh, uh, been developed. Um, it's just not not going to be possible. Well, and the other question about batteries is how long does it take to recharge a battery? 
Well, it depends. The, the chargers, the in-house chargers that they're probably installing in, in, um, in the Denver area are probably take overnight. Um, you can get, uh, and they're starting to, to install these very high-voltage, high-current chargers. Uh, so, you know, maybe you can re- uh, recharge your be- vehicle in an hour uh, or charge it halfway in 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. Um, these are, they're very expensive. Um, they, they do charge much faster. But the other problem that these fast charging devices, they shorten battery life. Uh, batteries don't like to be charged and discharged very rapidly. Uh, so that's why, you know, your battery charger at home, you might have one for a car battery. It tends to be uh, a, what's called a trickle charge. It goes very slowly. So if you try to do it fast, Again, that will cut down the life of the battery. You know, Jonathan Lesser, you know, everyday hardworking people, you know, time is money to many of them. And so to be able to, to, to travel where you want to, when you want to, and the vehicle that you want to, and then, you know, when you need to get fuel, you know, you stop into a, a gas station, it takes you five or ten minutes, and then you're on your way. For these politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties, and I think you're spot on, this is follow the money. And it goes back to, uh, we, we have three questions that we talk about at the beginning of the show. Um, a millennial, Stephen Kessler, he's PhD, but talking about socialism, the three questions he says, first of all, do you have any skin in the game? Second of all, are we bringing people up or are we yanking them down? And you felt good, but you did good. And that you you can take those questions all around this whole electric vehicle force thing that's going on in Colorado because we're mirroring what's going on in California. Uh, we had Governor Hickenlooper before he uh, went out of office. He issued an executive order regarding mandating and the number of sales of low emission vehicles. And then Governor Pola, shortly after he got into office, he did an executive order to mandate people to get into zero emission vehicles. So in essence, government is trying to force people into vehicles that don't work for their lifestyles, that they don't want. And, and, and if, if people don't buy those vehicles, then the dealer's going to get dinged, which means they're going to have to increase the price of the vehicle that people want, that works for them, in order to, again, subsidize. And you mentioned this money that's been going to Tesla, all of these energy credits that uh, these, these dealers would, would buy. There's only one place they can get these energy credits, and it's from Tesla. And you can see government, big government working with big business, Tesla here, to pad their pockets. And um, I find that really frustrating, Jonathan. The lesser. Well, the other issue to think about uh, in a state like Colorado, it's, it's also an urban versus rural issue. Um, if you get out, in, a lot of Colorado is very rural, it's mountainous. Um, electric vehicles aren't going to work well for ranchers uh, and farmers. Uh, for people who have to drive 100 miles to get anywhere, um, an electric vehicle is not going to work. Um, and so you have people in urban settings where other alternatives are available or they don't drive very far at all. Um, they, are, they essentially want to impose their rules, uh, their lifestyle on everyone else in other areas of the state and in the country. And uh, what's surprising to me is that a lot of these people in urban areas either don't care about what people who don't live there, live in rural areas, uh, have to deal with, 
or they just seem to, um, you know, they just denigrate people in rural areas. And uh, uh, having lived in the country, I lived in southern Colorado for a while, out uh, towards Levita and the Spanish Peaks. Um, you know, I, I just I look at the roads there and, and what uh, people are doing, and I just think no electric vehicle is going to work here. It's, it's just it's impossible. Well, and so that goes to Stephen Kessler's last question. You felt good, but did you do good? So these people are patting themselves on the back. They say they're doing something for the environment. When, in essence, the three things that uh, your key findings on your report, uh, people need to take a quick look at that. We're, we're just about out of time. We have a minute. What would be your final thought that you want to leave with our listeners today? Uh, Jonathan Lesser, you are the president of Continental Economics. Your important piece, Short Circuit, the High Cost of Electric Vehicle Subsidies at the Manhattan Institute. What's the last thought you'd like to leave with our listeners? I, I guess what I would tell the listeners is um, look at the facts. Um, you know, do the look at the analysis and then follow the money. And that will tell you what's really going on. And I think to the other point, when uh, in at uh, you were denigrated at the uh, Rocky Mountain Institute up in Snowmass. They didn't. They didn't go into the battle of ideas with you. They just tried to to, to blow you off because they wanted to, uh, um, you know, not not have people look further. But I would highly recommend that people take a look at this short yeah, my circuit. My research was challenging their narrative. You got it, and and thank you for doing that, Jonathan Lesser. I'd love to have you back again. Well, thank you. I've got a new report coming out today from the Manhattan Institute on the future of nuclear power. So I'd encourage any interested listeners to go to the Manhattan Institute uh, website and they can uh, have a look at that. Fantastic. Thank you, Jonathan Lesser.